Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, church. Great to be able to share with you again today. Lots of great feedback around this series. Last week was amazing. Just have a little break from it and uh, focus in on the dads. What a cool uh, service we had hearing from the dads, lots of vulnerability, great games and trivia, and then hearing from the kids is really cool. Um, and Moy and Mel's worship was amazing, three weeks in a row. Thanks so much, guys. Hey, Signs, Wonders and Miracles, this is something that we're passionate about, that we want to see long-term, sustained, happening all the time, consistent. So it's going to be impossible for us to share all of our heart, all of the scriptures, all of the testimonies, all the dreams and the desires that we have and the Lord has in this area of signs, wonders and miracles in 10 or 11 weeks. So it's, it's probably more been a bit of a teaser, um, a bit of a revealing of what we're about and what we're going after um, that's going to come. So super excited about 2022 because we're going to hit this even more next year. But in the remaining couple of weeks that we've got, I just want to continue on sharing about my journey and the, the key components that I had to believe, embrace, learn and apply um, to see me begin to step out and to see miracles. And again, I'm, I'm only in first or second year with this, but over the last 10 years, just learning um, probably approaching, you know, three or four, five hundred people um, in public and in church, probably two thirds of them in public um, over the last 10 years and just learning what the Lord's saying, what is he doing, what's required of me, how do I know when it's not works, but I've still got to pursue and be intentional and just the balance of prayer and declaration, understanding power and authority, understanding the will of God, understanding the plan of God, understanding my identity and then understanding why not me. So those are the things I shared last time. Identity, critical, crucial. Unless we know the character and nature of Jesus, don't even bother stepping out. Then, we, then, then I spoke about why not me. We've got to come to the realization that out of identity comes a marking from him that he's set me up and he's positioned me to be him on the earth. And then understanding the plan of God, which is people ministering to people, his people ministering to his people. And the will of God is that his heart desire, that's the will of God, that's the Greek, his heart's desire is that everyone experiences health and wholeness. Everyone, believer or not, everyone. His plan is health and wholeness. And then we spoke about power and authority, that he's already given it to us. So we've got to learn it. We've got to read about it. We've got to believe it. We've got to apply it. And we've got to go back to him and ask questions and then apply it and go on a journey the parent authority is not magic. It doesn't just happen. It's a process of us believing that it's already happened and then we start to apply it. And then prayer and declaration comes out of um, the, the power and authority. That's the, 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 the manifestation of power and authority is learning what prayer and declaration is, that Jesus never prayed for the sick. He never taught us to pray for the sick. It was always commanding, speaking to and dealing with. He prayed to the Father before he raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. Lazarus, come forth. Peter with Tabitha in Acts chapter 9. God, I worship you and I thank you. And then he turned to the girl and said, get up. Power and authority is manifested when we understand prayer and declaration. I want to move into something else today that I'm super passionate about. That's been a massive part of my journey. These six things have been huge and this has been another 
key component to my thinking and applying when it comes to dealing with that which is opposite to the kingdom of God. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about authority and power and moving in signs, wonders, and miracles when it comes to anything that is opposite to the king and his kingdom, anything that is opposite to the standard of heaven. How do we know what all that is like? Jesus modeled it. He came to reveal the Father and to model exactly what heaven is like. That's why he said, on earth as it is in heaven. So heaven is the standard. Heaven is the model. The king and the kingdom, his presence and power and everything that he is, is our standard. So when we see a broken leg, our standard is there's no broken legs in heaven, so that's not okay here. That's the standard. He said, I want you to pray like this. Your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So when we scan and view the earth on our daily outings and duties, when we see something that doesn't line up with heaven, that is a green light to pray and decree change. It's that simple. God, good, devil, bad. So I want to look at, um, as I said, another little area that was important for me. So identity, why not me, the plan of God, the will of God, power and authority, and prayer and declaration. But now this, which I'll share with you after I read some scriptures. So Matthew 14, it's amazing. The book of Matthew, we looked at Matthew 5 and chapter 6 earlier with laying down our lives and core values Jesus that shared his eight core values of the kingdom life. And then we've been talking about Matthew 9, how Jesus went around doing good and and healing everybody, that he was anointed by God, that he went around healing every disease and every sickness in Matthew 9, 35 um, to 36. And then Matthew 10, the commissioning of us, the disciples. And then we're looking at Matthew 14 today. So let's look at Matthew 14, 13 to 21. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, it's not necessary. You feed them. Verse 17. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Verse 18. Bring them here, he said. Then he told them, the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to his disciples who distributed them. Verse 20, they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. What an amazing story. The scenario is... John the Baptist was just executed in the previous chapter and Jesus was told about it. And the Bible says in verse 13, now in the New American Standard Translation, now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. There were multiple layers to the death and the execution of John the Baptist. Multiple layers for Jesus and the disciples. For the disciples, he was a hero. 
He was the one that ushered in Jesus. He was the one that people spoke highly of, regarded, renowned, revered, respected. For Jesus, it was his cousin. This was close to home. Jesus, full of empathy, compassion and love and felt every need that a human felt was grieving and felt the pain and felt the loss. And verse 13 depicts this perfectly, that he withdrew by himself to a secluded place. But the Bible says that when the people, when the crowds heard where he went, they followed him. Remember that he was the desire of their heart. He was what the whole world wanted and he was manifest. The word became flesh and dwelt among them and they wanted him. They were not uh, caring about where he was at emotionally. They wanted the answer to life. They were hungry and they positioned themselves so that when he pulled up at the shore, they were ready and they were waiting. And the Bible says that when Jesus pulled up in his boat at the shore, he did not sigh and he did not say, I'm grieving. And he did not say, I'm in loss and pain. And he did not say, I need time out. And he did not say, I need rest. And he did not say, I need a moment by myself. He did not say, send them away. The Bible says that he felt compassion, which is love in action. Love in action was manifesting and he healed everyone who was sick. And the Bible says that he taught them all day long into the early evening. What a phenomenal story. It's full on. But I want to look at two verses in particular that's going to launch us into another key component to my life that I've learned is required to believe and to learn and to apply when it comes to living a life of miracles. And it's found in Matthew 14, verse 15 to 16. That evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. And the response from Jesus in verse 16, it'll appear now, that isn't necessary. You feed them. Can we just take a moment? Disciples, send them away. Jesus, you feed them. <laughs> the disciples, but, but, how, how? Jesus, give it here. Blessed it, hand it out. 5,000 were fed. This is phenomenal. This is phenomenal. And what I want you to get from today, if there's one line, if there's one line that can be added to those six points, number seven is, you feed them. Jesus was clear. Jesus was crystal clear. He never mixed his words. He meant what he said. So when he said, you feed them, he meant it. He was able to say, you feed them. Why? Because in Matthew 10 verse 1, he said, I'm giving you power and authority to sort out everything that is opposed to the kingdom of God. He gave them the right over everything that was opposed to the kingdom of God. That's authority. He gave them authority over everything that was opposed to the kingdom of God. There was need and the disciples saw the need, but at that moment in time, they didn't see that they were the solution for the need. And they said, Jesus, there's need, send them away. And he said, I know there's need. You're the solution to the need. So you feed them. And because they were naturally thinking 
They were thinking logistically, practically, sensibly, with wisdom. They said, another translation said, that's a year's salary. But Jesus wasn't thinking naturally. He was thinking the normal Christian life, supernaturally, because they'd been given power and authority. They were given unlimited resource. They were given the keys to the kingdom. So have you. Jesus said, you feed them. His intention wasn't Jesus blessing the food and handing it to the disciples, which released supernatural provision. No, no. His goal was to just watch the disciples apply what they had been learning, to believe that he was who he said he was and believe everything that he said. They saw the need, but they had not fully understand, understood the plan of God. The plan of God is God using us, God using people to minister to people. The plan of God is, is people doing what Jesus did and even doing greater, John 14, 12. The plan of God is for God's people to do his will. Jesus said, you feed them. You've been given power and authority, so sort it out. But, 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 sort it out. And I love it. Jesus didn't pray for the food to multiply. He simply blessed it and said, pass it out. So this is a big deal. This is very much in my mindset and my belief system when it comes to anything that is not okay, meaning anything that is opposed from God, lack Poverty, hunger, famine, demonic torment, death, apart from old age and martyrdom. They're the only two um, scenarios in the New Testament that were legally okay, that were not dealt with. That's why John the Baptist executed. Jesus didn't raise him from the dead. Why didn't Jesus raise John the Baptist from the dead? His cousin who he loved. Because martyrdom receives an incredibly great reward, probably the highest of all rewards. You can read about that. Um, in Revelation and some other parts in the Bible. But martyrdom is actually um, the highest honor to be killed for your faith. So Jesus didn't want to take that away. That's why Stephen was martyred in the New Testament. That's why all the disciples were martyred. They didn't raise each other from the dead. Why? Because it was a legal way of dying. Sickness is very different. Old age and martyrdom are the two examples in the New Testament that Jesus was okay with. Biblically speaking, this is a really big deal. You feed them. And this has been part of my belief system. It's something that I've had to believe, to learn, to press in, to embrace and to apply. And we honestly can't move forward unless we actually get this. We can believe the will of God, but the plan of God sits right alongside that. It's his will to heal everybody all the time. But the plan of God is to use us. Hey, send them home. Let them buy them food for themselves. No, no, you feed them. I've often realized, I've realized that often I am the answer to my own prayer. Jesus didn't say to the disciples, pray for a solution. He didn't say, ask if it's my will for them to be fed. He's like their people and I love them and they're hungry and I gave you power and authority and unlimited resource, so feed them. So a little bit of a recap. Matthew 10, Jesus said, 
You've been given power and authority, so go and heal every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. Matthew 11, 12, and 13, Jesus is teaching and he's demonstrating power and authority. He heals on the Sabbath, which was contrary to the law. So he's stirring the pot with religious leaders and breaking old covenant restrictive thinking. So he's teaching and demonstrating, Matthew 11, 12, and 13. Then Matthew 14, we see this right here, which we've just read. Jesus testing that belief and that teaching that they've been embracing, testing their confidence with the feeding of the 5,000, giving them opportunity to grow. Hey, you feed them. And then, and then uh, when, he didn't, when they didn't get it, he goes, okay, give it, back, give it to me. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you, Father. Go and distribute it, guys, and watch a miracle happen through your hands. He's that good that he let a miracle happen through their hands, even though they should have dealt with it without him. But he's that kind and good in his training mode and equipping mode and your amazing mode. He blessed it and gave it to his disciples that the miracle still happened through their hands. There's so many, there's probably 10 sermons out of this and I'm not going to go there. Then Matthew 15, more teaching and then feeding the 4,000. And he didn't ask them to do it. He just left it because of what happened. But actually they still were complaining about how they're going to feed them. You can read that. It's, it's bizarre. Then Matthew 16, we go into identity. Jesus at Caesarea Philippi, who do men say that I am? Peter said, hey, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you. You've been given the keys. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you forbid will be forbidden. Forbidden. Whatever you permit will be permitted. So again, talking about authority. That's all about identity. So Matthew chapter 5 and 6, the Lord's Prayer. Kingdom come. Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The eight core beliefs. Then Matthew 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. We've just been going through Matthew this year. It's incredible. And now, in the context of you feed them, I want us to look another three chapters forward from Matthew chapter 14. Let's look at Matthew chapter 17 as the final key to today's message, you feed them. This is so cool. Matthew 17, 1 to 7. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. I've read to you 10 or 15 verses about what happens when Jesus goes up to a mountain to be alone. It's prayer time. It's encounter time. It's experience time. It's face-to-face time. It's being with God time. It's communion time. It's fellowship time. So I'm going to read that verse again. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Other translations say, and his appearance was transfigured and that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became like lightning. Verse 3, suddenly Moses Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Ho, ho. Number four, Peter pipes up. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. He's making a speech. If you want, 
I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And I love it that the father just bypassed that comment. Jesus bypassed that comment. And here we go in verse 5. But even as he spoke, so the father interrupted Peter's comment about building shelters. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud. So we've got lightning on Jesus, transfigured, sunshining glory. And then we've got this, a whole other thing happen. A bright cloud overshadowed them. So there's multiple things happening. Just wild glory, presence, manifest presence, encounter realm. Heaven just showing up in amazing ways. And a voice from the cloud said, this is God. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. Wow. The NASB says, and he was transfigured before them. I want to read to you a a little note from a writer around this. It's really cool. It'll be up on the screen. When we recognize metamorphosis, that's the word transfigured, transformed, and he was transformed before them. He was transfigured before them. It comes from the word metamorphosis. When we recognize metamorphosis, the Greek word that means to change shape or to move from having one image to another, because of the process most of us encountered in the school, in school, the marvelous metamorphosis of a caterpillar into a butterfly. The word with the Latin roots, transfiguration, is associated more with a spiritual experience. Specifically, this occasion recounted in Matthew 17 and the other synoptic gospels, Mark and Luke. This is a luminous story and its light has blinded interpreters into flights of fancy or has left them and are simply dazzled. All the other gospel stories before the resurrection, even the miracles or signs, are quite earthbound. There are sick and troubled women, crippled and blind men, miserable, possessed people, and they are all healed or liberated, yet always earthly. The miracles of Jesus are always other directed. This one, however, concerns Jesus himself and has the atmosphere of the otherworldly surrounding it. That's really cool. Another Greek context is this, is his, his form was otherworldly. The heart of the Father is heaven invading earth so that everything is, that is opposite to the king and his kingdom is transformed. His will is heaven to earth. And Jesus let Peter, James and John into the inner sanctum and gave them a courtside seat to show them not only what was possible, but what is expected. Being with God, being face to face with God, drawing very close. It's the word prayer. Being with him, worshipping, presenting requests, telling him what he's like to me. 
telling him what he's like to us. And he invited them in to show them what's possible because he knew the call on Peter, James and John to lead many people. He knew what there was all over their life. He knew the prophecies concerning them. He knew what was marked them because he made them. But he had to take them to another level of encounter and experience and show them what was grounding him, what was the foundation of his life so that when he saw a coffin, he didn't pray, he pulled the boy out. But he went to secluded places to pray. Matthew 17, 5 to 6, it'll be up on the screen. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son whom brings me great joy. God is announcing this. Listen to him, he says. The disciples were terrified and fell face down. Two thoughts. The level of presence and glory was at an extremely high level and they were not used to it. So they were afraid. And number two, it is in the encounter that identity is affirmed. It is in the prayer, the communion, the intimacy with God that our identity is confirmed. where acceptance and approval are announced. Now, just in closing, we've got the story of the 5,000 and Jesus, they say, send them away. And he's like, it's not necessary. You feed them. We've got Jesus giving him power and authority. Then we've got this encounter in Matthew 17, Jesus took them up to show them what it was like to be with God. And then watch what happens when they come down to the mountain. Matthew 17, 14 to 21. When they came to the crowd, another translation says, when they came down to the foot of the mountain. When they came down to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Verse 16. This is a huge verse for us. Verse 16. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How long will I, how long shall I be with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out and the boy was healed at once, immediately. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, hey, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, it's because the littleness of your faith. For I truly say to you that if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing nothing will be impossible for you. And then he said in verse 21, but this kind does not go out except through prayer and fasting. The father came running to Jesus with need and he said, my boy is demon possessed and tormented and it's ruining his life. It's ruining our lives. I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. And then Jesus was actually, shows Jesus a little bit frustrated because he gave them power and authority. He said, you feed them, and they didn't know what to do. He gave them power and authority to cleanse every torment and every disease. And the man took the boy to the disciples, and they couldn't heal him. And they're on a process. They're on a journey. 
But Jesus grabbed the boy, rebuked him in a moment, and he was healed at once. And the disciples came to him privately and said, hey, why didn't this happen? And Jesus said, it's the littleness of your faith. He goes, guys, your faith is brief. One day it's up and one day it's down. It's not consistent. He clearly said, it's because of the littleness of your faith. And he got to teach them again and he began to model again and he began to love them again. The truth of the matter is biblically sound doctrine, sound theology, the perfect example and model of Jesus is that he's given us power and authority to see heaven come to earth. And he's saying, you feed them. He's saying, you encourage them. He's saying, you support them. He's saying, you cast the demon out. He's saying, you raise the dead. He's saying, you heal them. He's saying, you sort it out. And if we're not, Jesus explains that it's brief faith. And it's nothing to be offended about because there's no harsh scriptures. It's an opportunity and an invitation to grow. He's saying your faith comes and goes. He said your faith is inconsistent. An inconsistent faith leads to a frantic, stressful life full of anxiety and depression. Distraction comes when we change priority. Distraction comes when our non-negotiables become negotiable. And distraction leads us to having brief faith. And Jesus addressed it in Matthew 6 when they were freaking out about being fed and clothed. He said, guys, don't worry. Seek first the kingdom. He said the answer to brief faith is to seek first the king and the kingdom. He said it really clearly in John 17. This type only comes out with prayer and fasting. What was Jesus saying? He wasn't saying like some commentators say, we need to go off and fast and pray. No, no, he wasn't saying that because Jesus modeled perfectly the life of a believer and what was possible. Jesus said in this one, only comes out with prayer and fasting, but Jesus healed him instantly. Jesus didn't go off and pray pray and fast, Jesus was in a constant state of prayer and fasting. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul says this, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. Prayer is not requests and supplications and what we need only. It's the third or fourth most important part of praying. The first part is being with God face to face, drawing close, telling him what we think about him, being exchanged, strength and weakness. It's being with God and then it's telling him what we need and asking him um, to show up in our lives. That's prayer. So when Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he's saying pray without ceasing. It's a lifestyle of giving our lives to God because the second part of prayer is making a vow, giving him our life, laying down our lives. So praying without ceasing, this was the lifestyle of Jesus. He only saw what he saw his father do. It's like, hey, God, thanks that you hear me. Lazarus, come forth. He did this all the time. Hey, thanks for the loaves and the fishes. He knew. He looked up and saw what the father was doing. The father was multiplying bread. He passed it to his disciples and released them into operating outside of what they actually could at that time. 
because they had to grow into the reality that they did have power and authority. But Jesus, this is what he modeled. Prayer and fasting was not an event. It was a lifestyle. And when we grow into this becoming a lifestyle, we understand that the you feed them comment is actually an, uh, an incredibly important part of our journey. You feed them. And it's marked me and it's changed everything. And it ha- it's, it's caused me to, to, to stop putting the responsibility on other people, to stop putting the responsibility on pastors and leaders and gurus and podcasts and quotes. And can you please pray for my son or daughter? And that's great. And it's out of desperation. And we just want people well. But often we miss the, the, the key scriptures and the identity and everything that's wrapped up in it. And we miss the fact that we've been commissioned for the mission to sort out everything that is opposite to the kingdom of God. And more often than not, you are the answer to your own prayer. You might say, let's do this, let's do that, let's do that. Jesus is saying to us today and into the future, no, 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 that's not necessary. You feed them. But if I just get John Mellor to pray for them, no, 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 you feed them. The kingdom of God is green light, meaning you feed them, you do it. He's given you authority and power. What we have to have is a listening ear for the red light. Actually, take him to Judy because she carries something for this and more's going to go on. Judy's going to get lit up. That person's going to get lit up and I can see the future and all the stuff that's going to happen if Judy prays. But if we've got a, we, we can't just go into green light, green light, green light, green light, right. You feed him, you feed him, you feed him. You feed him is our default. But sometimes the Lord will speak and say, no, no, I want them to pray. You know who you are and whose you are. You know the answer to why not me. You know the will of God. You know you have received power and authority. And you know the difference between prayer and declaration. And you know the plan of God. So you feed them.